This is the day which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hello, Metro FM family. This is your brother Jonathan with DHL Ministries, Decisions, Habits, Lifestyle Ministries, bringing you the final lesson in relationships, specifically talking about marriage. Now, this will not exhaust everything to be said about marriage with the Word of God, but it is a conclusion of what we've been discussing from the beginning. This is the ninth lesson that we've shared leading up to the relationship of marriage. Now, if you are in the WhatsApp group, you receive the notes and the notes we've been using over and over and just going through different sections of the notes essentially. And so you have all this information already, and I pray you've been studying it as it's written there. You've been looking up the verses, you've been considering well what they mean, and I hope you've been thinking about the definitions of the key words we've been using. But nevertheless, we're going to remind you of those definitions during this session right now. So if you're joining us for the first time, you should still get a lot out of this message, even without all of that history. But if you want that history, you want those notes, you want to hear those messages, please, at the end of the message, text and join the WhatsApp group. That way you can have that information for yourself and continue to grow in your understanding of what relationships are supposed to be like, that you would have good success in all of your engagements up to and including the marriage relationship. We're going to start in the book of 1 Peter and we're going to read this verse right now. Chapter 4 verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Well, the word charity is what we're focused on. The King James Version uses that word. And I like that they use that word. That word is not common in our English language today used in this way. But the word charity, defining God's love, that's agape love, which is what the word is here in the original language, is, I believe, a better illustration of what that kind of love is. We discussed in past lessons what the different kinds of love are. And again, you can get access to those. They're now available on podcast, and I'll explain that at the end. But that word charity is great because God's love is just like that. God's love sees a need, just like a charity sees a need, and desires to fill that need without expecting anything in return. When you have charity towards someone, you see they have a need and you want to fill that need and you have no expectation of getting anything back. You want to do what is the best interest of that person in that situation at your own cost of convenience or expense of resource, right? 
So think about that when you hear the word charity. That's God's agape love. That's not brotherly love and emotional, conditional love like phileo. But that is agape. That is based on commitment. Right? Amen. Now let's change that word charity just for the sake of our definition to the word commitment. Join me in reading that scripture again. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, and it says, And above all things, have fervent commitment among yourselves, for commitment shall cover the multitude of sins. Let's do that with a few other scriptures and see that this godly commitment, remember, that is looking after the best interest of the other person at the cost of personal convenience and expense without expecting anything in return, right? But meeting that need. Look at Colossians 3.14. It says, and above all these things, put on commitment, godly commitment. It says the word charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Think about John 13, 34, and 35. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, or have commitment toward one another, as I have had commitment toward you, that ye also have commitment one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love, but if you have commitment, godly commitment, one to another. Can you see that? That godly commitment, looking after the best interest of one another at the cost of personal convenience and expense is what we're talking about. Can you see that? You see how the scripture comes alive in a different way when you know the original language definition of what's being used there. Now, as a tactic of the enemy or just as the degradation of our language and our downward spiral of mankindness, we have diluted that kind of definition. So it's unclear when we say the word love, what kind of love we're talking about, even with context help, right? But if we look at it this way, we'll start to see it more clearly. Let's do it with some other scriptures because we're talking about relationships. We're talking about the relationship of marriage. Let's look at some more verses. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, and now abideth faith, hope, Godly commitment, says charity. And these three, these three, but the greatest of these is godly commitment. I'm putting in that phrase because we've talked about that. It says the greatest of these is charity or agape love. 1 Corinthians 13, now verses 4 through 8. Very familiar set of scriptures. The love chapter, it's called. But bring that definition into this because this section of scripture is often quoted at marriages, quoted at weddings, right? 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8, I'm going to change the word charity, which is a great word here, but it represents agape love. And as we talked about, a better phrase or a phrase that might help you to consider the meaning of that agape love is godly commitment. So let's change the word charity to godly commitment 
and read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It says, Godly commitment suffereth long and is kind. Godly commitment envieth not. Godly commitment vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, and is not easily provoked. Godly commitment thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Godly commitment beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Godly commitment never faileth. But wherever there be prophecies, they shall fail. Wherever there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Can you see that now, family? I put that in there just for emphasis because we're trying to educate ourselves. We're trying to be renewed in our minds, right? We're trying to grow in the understanding of what God has for us in relationships in general as well as in the marriage relationship. All of these things, relationships one with another, right? We've talked about they will know you are Christians by your love, by your agape love, by your godly commitment one to another. That's how they'll know you're Christians. They'll, they'll see a demonstration of this immovable, unconditional commitment to the best interest of one another at the cost of personal expense or convenience of resource being expended in a charitable way. It is distinctly different from the commitment of the world. Now, the commitment of the world system is me, myself, and I out for my own. If I catch you slipping, it's fair game. It's not personal, it's business. Have you heard these phrases before? Well, I personally don't want to do business with someone who doesn't want to make it personal. I'm just saying, because personal means godly commitment. Personal means doing the right thing. Personal means using this kind of charitable commitment to another person to do the best interest for them at my own personal cost. So when I engage in a relationship, I would ideally want that godly commitment to be here. Let's read a few more verses because I don't want time to evaporate without you really feeling the full impact of exchanging these words. Now, I'm not rewriting the Bible. I'm not saying this is Jonathan's version of the Bible. I've led up to this by sharing with you the definition of agape love and showing you what it what is summarized as. Now, you be like a Berean and search these scriptures out. Look into the, the Strong's Concordance and find that definition of agape. And you decide if this expression, godly commitment, is effective. But that word charity in the old King James is actually there. And so think about all these things. Let's keep going because now we're talking about marriage it says this, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us have godly commitment one another, for godly commitment is of God. Hello. And everyone that loveth or has this godly commitment is born of God and knoweth God. And he that hath God does not have godly commitment knoweth not God, for God is 
commitment. And I share all that. Listen, family, for God so loved the world, for God so was committed to the best interest of the world at his own expense and cost of personal convenience, right? And resource, his life that he gave himself. You can see that, I pray. Ephesians 5.33, well, let's go back to 5.25. Ephesians 5.25, let's bring this home now. Husbands, husbands, listen up, men. Husbands have godly commitment for your wives. Even as Christ also had this commitment toward the church and gave himself for it. Can you see that? This commitment family is unmovable. It is unconditional. It is locked in, in that definition, for the best interest, all in, for the best interest of the other at personal cost. So husbands, you need to be locked in. Ephesians 5.33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so be committed in a godly way to his wife, even as of himself. Look, you're committed to yourself. You're committed to yourself. You're committed to expend everything on yourself. And it says, have this same fervent commitment as you are towards yourself, to your wife. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular have such a commitment, a godly commitment to his wife as even of himself. And the wife, see that she reverence her husband. That's a godly respect for her husband. Genesis 2.18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And so this is what we're in the context of his marriage right now. Let's read Matthew 19.4-6. It says, And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave, check that word out, cleave to his wife, that they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Colossians 3, 18, 19, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, listen to the rest, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, have godly commitment for your wives, and be not bitter against them. You see, you see. 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, and above all these things, have fervent godly commitment among yourselves, for godly commitment shall cover the multitude of sins. We said that earlier. Proverbs 31, 10, it says, who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies. These are mixed and mingled, but I pray you're getting this message. It says, hallelujah, Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. Let's read this. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, husbands, listen up again, have charity towards your wives, have have godly commitment to your wives, even as Christ also 
had God a commitment to the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, meaning set aside for his purposes. So ought men to have godly commitment to their wives as their own bodies. He that has godly commitment of his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourish and cherisheth it, even as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, that they too may be one flesh. Amen? And so he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so have godly commitment as wife, even as himself and the wife see that the, she reverence to her husband. So again, bringing all those scriptures back and fulfilling the context as we share, there are a few more scriptures in the notes than we've shared here today. But think about all of this, family. This is looking up key words in your Bible, understanding the definition, and then injecting that into the contexts of the scriptures. You can see the comparison between Christ and the church. That's an illustrative definition. We can't argue that. And we've talked about agape love. And so seeing that commitment, men, seeing that submission and reverence, women, if we do it God's way, we get God's results. If we build this house on solid ground, the foundation of Jesus Christ, it shall not be moved. If we keep building on shifting sand, we can expect it to come crumbling down. So I hope this whole series has been very useful to you. And I hope these definitions have not only been uh, illustrative to you, but have helped you to see how you can look up key words and see the true meaning of the scripture as it stands. So I pray that everyone who's been listening to these has a new trajectory, a new focus, a new intention, a new agenda, a new understanding for relationships based on the word of God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we're going to go through the ABCs. A, admit you're a sinner. Just means you know that you've been born heading the opposite direction from God. You are on the wrong track in the wrong direction. And knowing that we are missing the mark or God's call for our life means we understand that we're born into sin. Now, Jesus Christ died to fulfill the penalty of that condition. He laid down his life that the penalty of death or eternal separation for God has been paid. And if we trust and believe in him, we can be reversed or we can repent from that direction and turn towards God. So A is admitting you know you're a sinner. B is believing, trusting, and relying upon the truth that Jesus died for you. And C, confessing your sin one to another, confessing your sin before God, but confessing to others that you have made this decision to follow Jesus. And I pray that God surround you with people to help you to grow closer to God in discipleship. Now, if you want to join that WhatsApp group, text or call 260-97-583-6324. Write it down quickly. 260-97-583-6324. I'll say it one more time. 260 97 583 
888-626-6324. When we see you've added to the group, I'll send you the notes and we'll send you the links to the podcasts of these broadcasts. We're here on Metro FM every Sunday morning and Wednesday evening. This is Jonathan, your brother with DHL Ministries. If you look us up, we have podcasts, all kinds of things for you. May God bless you richly in this series in your life and service unto him. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.